Welcome to Education 3.0, the new podcast from Kennesaw State University's iTeach Center, where we delve into educational topics like personalized learning, instructional coaching, and the maker movement, and where we get a chance to meet the incredible teachers, administrators, coaches, and students that are out there doing the work every day. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining me this morning. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a very special guest with me this morning, uh, KSU iTeach coach David Lockhart. Now, some of you guys may know him as David. Some of you out there may know him as Coach Lockhart, but I would imagine most of you know him as the big guy in the bow tie. But he is uh, a KSU instructional um, technology specialist working here at iTeach, and he is a project lead and uh, kind of is in a unique position because he manages uh, several projects for us here, and then he's got his hands in all kinds of other things as well. So we're going to talk to David this morning, uh, see what he's got going on and how he's uh, helping personalize learning for uh, teachers and students out there. So David, uh, thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. I feel special now since you said I was special. You are special. Everyone I, don't know that, about, I don't know about all that, but... <laughs> hey, everyone that gets to sit down in the park bench is special. So uh, so it's not me that's special. It's the park bench that's special. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> the bench is special, but right now, all that special is on you. <laughs> all right. So, David, um, I've had the, the, the fortune of working for you uh, with you for the last, uh, I don't know, year and a half or so. Um, since I have uh, come back to iTeach, but uh, for the people out there who, who don't know you on a personal level, um, tell everybody about uh, your journey to iTeach. Tell us about your background, uh, your teaching experience, and what led you uh, to iTeach. Um, yeah, so tell us. Gotcha. So um, as far as teaching wise, I was a teacher for 10, two months into my 11th year. Um, I was up in D.C. I chased my wife up, or my future wife up to D.C. So I was up in that area for a little bit. Then we moved back to Marietta because I'm originally from Marietta. Um, when we started having children, um, I taught at Wheeler High School in Cobb County for a few years, taught at North Atlanta for a few years and really the journey to I teach was I really found that letting kids, students create in my classroom as a social studies teacher, using technology to kind of ease processes in my classroom was stuff that I was always experimenting with and always trying to improve. And uh, my wife would get upset with me because during the summers and Christmas break, I was always like, I got to change stuff and kind of improve on what I want to do. I've got a new process. And so about 2012 or so, um, I had an administrator at North Atlanta named Laura Brazel, who kind of, it was my first year in North Atlanta. I knew I was teaching differently and I knew sometimes administrators don't get that, Right. but I got one who really got that. And she was one of those who, instead of like being very critical or just one of those who's like, you did great and sign off on the sheet. She's one of those that's like, okay, what if you thought about trying it this way? And eventually it was pushing me out to kind of share that with more people. And so I started speaking and doing it and doing a, and getting more and more involved in the ed tech community. And eventually it got to a point where I'm like, I want to move into kind of an education technology job. 
this one just kind of worked out. I was looking for a job. I found a job. I was just searching EdTech jobs on a job search. Saw the iTeach one. Um, I knew of Dr. Williams, who was our previous um, director, previous to Steph. I knew of his reputation, and so I applied, and it actually worked out really well because I... It was to apply and work as a coach in Fulton, which I'm sure if you've listened to the podcast, there's plenty of coaches in Fulton. Um, And I was actually working uh, with Steph was in Fulton at the time and I was working with Steph. I'd met Steph a little previously and we were working on something together already. I knew Hoke a little bit. And so it just it all kind of just worked out. Fantastic. Well, we uh, we certainly are fortunate. We're glad that you're here. Um, if we got any administrators out there listening, hopefully we do. Uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, David. How how important it was for you, um, not just in your journey to I teach, but I think as a teacher to have not only administrative support, but an administrator who was wanting to challenge you to be better, that recognized the good things you were doing and was pushing you um, to be better. So I I always hark back to um, a high school I taught at in, uh, I don't know, maybe 2004, and we had signs that hung in the hall that said, good is the enemy of great. And so I always like to think of, are my administrators happy with good or are they pushing me to be great? So it's nice that you highlighted uh, uh, Laura and you spoke about how she pushed you uh, not to settle for good. Well, and I think with administrators, it's it's a fine line to walk as an administrator where you don't want to be overly critical because if a teacher teaches a hard profession and if the teacher really wants to be good and is putting in the effort, you want to support that. But obviously, you have to be a little critical at sometimes, but also not be the one who's like, here's your evaluation. You did great and just sign off and you get no feedback because if you want to be a better teacher, you need somebody who can give you at least a little bit of feedback and say, well, maybe. Maybe you try it this way. And so I, I, I've told Laura several times that she's the one that probably my biggest influence on my career. She's up in like Indiana now or somewhere, uh, okay. somewhere like that. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Laura. We appreciate <laughs> your hard work and your effort that you put into David because we're, we're fortunate to have him and he, he is a good one. Um, so that's fantastic. So let's let's get down to the meat of this, David. You're here because of uh, the projects that you manage for us here at IT. So I really want to talk about two in particular, and that is uh, Wheeler County, Georgia. We have a contract with Wheeler where we're supporting them, and uh, we have a small contract with Cobb County, Georgia. Um, and I want to highlight just kind of briefly for our listeners um, the, the stark differences in these two school districts, because oftentimes we hear uh, from schools or from school leaders that, you know, they can't personalize or they can't uh, get into the maker movement. They can't do these things because they, you know, they can't afford it or it's expensive or they don't have money. Or, um, so let's just say that Wheeler County, Georgia, uh, according to Wikipedia, as of 2010, the census for 2010 was the second poorest county in the nation. Um, so money, money shouldn't be an object. Um, and David is a testament to that. We are county is a testament to that. So we're going to talk about how he does things differently for the 1,100 students of Wheeler County uh, versus the 11 or 111,000 students in Cobb County. So, um, you know, David, a question we ask every coach here is tell us about your average day. So as a project lead who's leading uh, really two 
very different contracts and you got your hands in our maker bus you got your hands in all kinds of maker stuff and you're really um, one of the go-to guys for our coaches and for our project leads when they need ideas and when they need support so what what does an average day look like for you um, as a project lead and really a, a, a main avenue of support for uh, for everyone here at iTeach? So really for me, I, I guess one of the things that I really like about where I am now in my role right now is there isn't really an average day. They're all very different. Um, so really, um, I've got two main contracts that I support. I have Wheeler County and then I have the Cobb contract. Wheeler County is it really, it's usually, and it's not every month of school, but usually it's one, like a, it, we go down there for a couple days during the month, during the month, during every month. And I go and so it takes a little bit of planning on the front end to plan out lessons. And really it's very basic instructional technology coaching down there with them. Although we have done a couple of other things that we can talk about as we go further. Um, Cobb, on the other hand, as when I prep for Cobb, Cobb is very event based with their STEM department. And so it takes some prep. So I'll have a couple days before an event and prep for their events with their STEM department. And then really it's, it's a lot of different other projects. We do some support for Nearpod here. I do a lot of those trainings. I'll go out and help one of our other coaches in Paulding. Um, I went down to Henry County last week to help one of our coaches with maker stuff. It's really, I think my role is very, it's not super defined, but it's a really fun role because I get to go out and do lots of different things and really have some flexibility to also go out and talk with other districts and maybe find us other districts to support and work with. So it's it's a lot of fun, but no days really average or the same. <laughs> right. Right. Fantastic. So um so can you share any um success stories? We always like to ask our our coaches and our supports out there about some successes that they're overcoming and um certainly there are there are uh, huge challenges dealing with um you know with poor districts with poor schools. So what are what are some successes that you can share with us? Um, that you've had dealing with these these various projects and these different um, you know these different lenses that you have to put on for each different project that you're involved with. So I think it, again, I think it's it's very different for each group you work with. I think for Wheeler County, I think going down there and the successes, it's one of those where it's starting instructional technology coaching and starting small with teachers and seeing them actually take some of the stuff you use with them. So you could go. I really when I try to go in, I say I, it's more asking questions and then going, okay, what are some kind of pain points? What are some things, some of those kind of common things that can technology can help with and can help personalize with. So things like how to present content online, how to do assessments, how to cut down all of that. And so really with Wheeler County, I think the success is watching teachers take some of that and run with that. And I've seen a little bit of it as far as there's some teachers who we've introduced things like Nearpod as a way, a different way to personalize content and to um, really get kids more engaged. And so we've seen this, this school actually go and take that school wide. And it's it really the success is going there for a little bit and seeing just that little time I'm there and then coming back and seeing teachers, several teachers going and doing things differently in their classroom. I think when you look at some of the other successes that we've had, I think with 
really, I think I'm just a spoke in the wheel with the Cobb, the Cobb STEM stuff. The director of STEM there is doing such a wonderful job that any way that we can support her and to her mission and to what she's doing, that's a success. I think as far as when you look at Maker, just the amount of kids in the past year that we've touched and that we've shown that there's ways to learn computer science, there's ways to create, there's ways to do all kinds of things um, is a success. So there's lots of just different little successes and they kind of all lead to a bigger success with iTeach. Right. It's just different with all of them. Right. Right. That's interesting. And while you were talking, I just had this vision of, of watching TV. I think I was watching last night and I saw this commercial of a young girl who, um, has to do some chores at home. Have you seen this? And the dad is yelling at her to take out the garbage. And she, uh, you know, like everyone else for the last hundred years, gets the bag of garbage and, you know, ties it up and walks it outside and goes inside and starts sketching um, on her notepad, how can I do this better? And so she then creates this little device using her bike the next time dad yells, uh, take <laughs> out the trash, where she has built this contraption to pick the trash up uh, and it works on like a like a clothesline and goes across, and then she hits something and it drops the trash. That's in the awesome! Trash can. I haven't seen this. this. I guess I'm gonna have to YouTube. It's really this. cool. <laughs> and then it's following her through various stages of her life where she's building um, more efficient ways to to do business. I think at the end of the day, it's an IBM commercial, and she has uh, they're inspecting some giant. Um, machine and she has programmed robots to do the safety inspections and she says something you know it takes us half the time to do this now and they they do it better um i think when you look at especially when you go down in with teachers who are just kind of starting their journey it's finding those small successes that lead them to want more right and you and you find those teachers that are kind of those high flyers and you start with them and as they have success the people around them want to do that and it's really it's all about finding those things that you know as you start to look at like things like blended learning and personalized learning those are big huge steps for teachers so right. it's finding the little things that will lead to that i think that's where you really start with a lot of people and folks yeah yeah absolutely and do you do you get to spend much time in wheeler county um with the students do you see them at all do you see is there a you know an excitement do they seem more engaged when uh when their teachers are trying these new things so typically it's 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 different every trip. Um, typically, what we'll do is I'll go down there. Some of the trips I've gone down there, and it's more conversational with teachers and how, what can we add to their classroom. Some other times, it's go down there and work with students in their classroom and co-teach with teachers. Um, I've done things like I've done some Nearpod lessons down there. I've done some Sphero lessons down there. We've done some uh, different types of assessments with teachers. It's it's really trying to figure out. It's such a short amount of time. Yeah. It's trying to figure out what's the best way way to kind of manage that and what's kind of the need at that point yeah yeah and i'm sure they're thinking too how can we maximize our time yep. with david and absolutely um, yeah fantastic and i think you know <clears throat> excuse me in the future once we get uh once we get our bus um i think that's one of the main um moving points for us i think or one of our main motivations is to be able to reach um, some of the further schools and some of the uh, needier districts that don't have the resources to come to Atlanta or to come to, you know, to KSU, but to be able to actually go to them um, and take this, the maker movement and the personalized movement to them 
and really be able to spend more time with with the students and the teachers and, and get them really building and making and excited about learning and, and personalizing what they're doing in the classroom. Well, and that's one thing we did do over the summer. We did do a maker camp down in Wheeler over the summer um, that we had a lot of. I mean, we it was it was it was uh, it was a good camp. We had we did an elementary school camp in the morning, which had 16, 17 kids. And then we did a middle school camp in the afternoon, which had 12 or 13. I think all the kids were very engaged. All the kids really loved it to a point that you're seeing them kind of embrace some of that every time i go down there it seems like they're doing more and more with maker and they want to do more and more with robotics like my trip in october is all about spheros down there very cool very cool well that's exciting and i'm sure that those kids are excited every time you uh you roll up on one of their one of their buildings so um so there certainly uh, are challenges in the in you know this movement to personalized learning, um, particularly when you have uh, you know you're dealing with totally different populations. So tell us about some of the challenges that that maybe have been presented to you that schools are struggling with. What um, you know what are some of the challenges that that you're focused on either solving or helping solve for uh, for some of these counties and some of these projects you're working on? So I think when you talk the smaller rural district, I think a challenge for us that we're still trying to figure through is how do we take those two days and offer extra support on top that's not a burden to teachers. And so that's still a challenge that we're working through. I think when you look at it from an instructional perspective for them is that a lot of what they do and a lot of what they have is they've got to get anywhere they can so grants title one funding pretty much anywhere they can get things they're going to go out and they've got two great leaders down there who are really focused and really do that but what it ends up being is that you end up being it's not like you go into some of these bigger urban school districts where there's it's one device throughout the school you can go and kind of manipulate that device in the way that really helps instruction to do things like present content in different ways to let kids create. It's finding ways that can cut across devices, I think is the one of the biggest challenges because you're sitting there where they've gotten devices anywhere they can get them. And right. so there there's lots of different and devices and different types of things in the school. Um, I think when you look at working with some of the bigger urban districts, it's the, cha- the biggest challenge is where do we fit in and trying to find that focus and trying to find the group that we fit in with and trying to kind of how do we affect the most people from just that one focused area so with like Cobb and STEM that's kind of the one of the biggest challenges is we fit in with STEM but how do we branch out to some of the schools and support some of the schools past those kind of events that we have and so that's been a challenge as well right very cool very interesting so that uh, um, I love how you say and you know what I wrote down was how can we make two days be greater you know, is that how do we maximize that, uh, you know, your presence or any coach if they've got somebody in there? Because we know that the embedded model is certainly the most effective model right now. So um, that is an interesting challenge that, that we're all working on. And, and when you start and when you're with a group that is very at the beginning of their journey, having them, we go up here and we take for granted that, oh, let's get online and have a hangout and do that because we've been doing that for a long time. You, when you get with a group that's at the first of their journey, that kind of blended online support, it's it's hard to get it's because you're really explaining what it is and how it can help them. And so on top of that, it's it's more to kind of and it, it, teachers just feel like that's more and it's and 
teachers are so busy usually giving them more is very it's always very tough right yeah and that's that's great so if for those of you listening if you listen to the last project feature where we we talked with heather cox about vanguard that is certainly um one of the solutions that that we offer here at i teach and that a lot of districts are doing is building those teacher leaders um from within their buildings and within their ranks already um and kind of coaching up those teacher leaders um, and letting them kind of then go out and when they can be at uh, uh, shadowing and mentoring in the building and getting together at planning times and, and co-planning and, and co-teaching, um, you know, building those those uh, teacher leaders from within, within your building is a, is a great way to address um, that issue of, of where do we get more time or where do we get more people. So um, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it because it's got some great ideas in there as well. So um fantastic so david i know and you know we talk all the time that it's not about the tool that um you know personalized learning can't happen without great teaching you've got to have great teachers you've got to have great pedagogy um to be able to support personalized learning in the classroom but we are all uh here at i teach we're all uh we've got a, a run a nerd in us we all like our gadgets you know i think i think the internal calling originally was all about instructional technology and it's kind of blossomed into personalized learning so uh, that being said have you got a favorite tech tool um something out there are you excited about trying something new uh on the horizon what uh, tell us about your favorite tool so i guess for me because i'm always i guess one of my focus areas is always cutting edge technology and things like maker stuff and vr and coding and all of that kind of thing i guess for me right now my current favorite which that changes pretty consistently right. um is i got the advantage or the really it was a really great thing that I was able to do was go to the Raspberry Pi Academy in Boise, Idaho in August. And so the Raspberry Pi is probably my favorite currently. It's a $35 computer, basically board that when I first got a kit, you look at it and you go, Oh, it's a computer. I can plug it in. I don't really understand the coding part. I can do Minecraft. Great. But when you go to the Academy and they show you all of the add-ons and all of the things you can digitally make with it. And it's just the, possibilities for that thing are endless and so that's probably probably my current favorite but that could change tomorrow very cool and not not a six or seven hundred dollar device but literally a 35 dollar now literally a 35 dollar computer but as you start looking at add-ons and things you can put to, with it the cost can it's not going to add up to a 1600 dollar device but the cost can blossom up a little bit as you go right but the starting point is nice. The starting point's nice, for sure. The starting point is certainly nice. Fans. And it's, it's one of those where, like, I guess for me, I grew up in an age, I, I always tell people I grew up in kind of that in-between age where, like, I remember computers coming in when I was a kid, but they weren't really a thing in my house. Yeah. And so coding to me has always been, I, I, I'm starting to get into it and getting to more, but it, when you go and have somebody explain to how to write Python code and really give you a starting place, it's not as hard as it looks. And right, so right. that's where I really like those things. Very cool. Yeah, and I wish... I wish for the life of me I could remember my eighth grade computer teacher, and I I don't even know, I can't even remember what year it was, much less the teacher, but I took a computer class at DeWitt Perry Junior High in Carrollton, Texas, and we had to actually write a program in, in DOS 
um, which was, you know, all there was back there. And I, I loved it, but I didn't stick with it. I don't know why, you know, I, here I am, uh, however many years later, <laughs> kicking myself for, uh, for not sticking with it. I think that, a lot but... of us our age are doing that. So, like, in my days in school, I think computer classes were either keyboarding or, like, Microsoft Office. And right, it's yeah. Like, oh, great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it was all keyboarding in high school, but for some reason, in, in eighth grade, I had this... Uh, you're lucky. This you're lucky. You're we had to write DOS. We had to learn it and write it, and I don't know what happened. It, it didn't stick with me. I don't know why. Um, all right. So, so now that uh, we've learned a little bit about uh, what you do here at iTeach and the projects you're supporting right now, tell us a little bit about you, David. I know you're busy at home with a new addition. Um, <laughs> you know how how has life changed with four children? <laughs> How's life changed with four children? <laughs> so it's busier. Um, so I've got a fifth and a fourth grader who are really getting into sports. They're very busy. So we're out at their events and doing that kind of thing. Um, I've got a five-year-old son who's just starting to get, to get into that little bit of that too. And it's about as friendly a little boy as you have. So he's always got stuff going on. And then a newborn who um, was born June 3rd. Um, so it's a busy life. And so really a lot of what I do is based around providing for my family and, uh, running around with the kids and spending time with the kids. There you go. Hashtag good dad right here. Not only is he a big guy in a bow tie, (laughs) but he is all dad. So fantastic. Good for you. Good for your family. We We were excited to, to welcome him this summer. Um, you know, a question we ask all of our uh, podcast interviewees here, David, uh, beaches or mountains? For sure, mountains. I don't like hot weather. Um, and it's the North Georgia mountains and North Carolina mountains have always fascinated me. Now, my wife's from Colorado, so going out there and seeing the mountains that have no trees on them. Eh, but uh, the ones that are like in North Georgia and North Carolina, I've always loved being up there. So for sure, mountains. Fantastic. Very nice. And um, for those listeners who don't know your uh, your online persona, but they want to get to know uh, more about what you're doing and keep up with what you're doing out there, um, how do they keep in touch with you? You got a Twitter handle. Why don't you give them some information so that they can follow you and keep up with you and maybe reach out and ask you questions if they if they want to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, so everything's around Big Guy in a Bowtie. So um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Obviously, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. Um, Instagram, I'm not a picture person, so taking pictures. I'm on there some, and I try to take pictures when I can and when I remember. I just That's never been something that's important to me. Um, Snapchat, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to use. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think everyone over the age of 15 is still trying to figure that out <laughs> there's got to be a good way to use it professionally i've had some people tell me some kind of ideas that i'm trying to that i want to start playing with i just haven't had a chance to really start playing with them yeah but it's yeah i'm not over the age of 15 and so i that's the thing i feel like i'm getting into that age where i kind of feel old a little bit with technology yeah, yeah um and then bigguyinabowtie.com has got all my presentations and all the stuff that i do um on it all right fantastic so um for those of you that don't know as well david is also on the conference circuit so if you're at a conference if you're at uh, gaetc or uh he's in florida a lot alabama tennessee kentucky texas he's all over the nation um he keynotes he presents lots of uh, great uh, workshops and informational sessions. So, um, you know, it's worth a shot. If you're at a conference, see if David's there. He's very approachable.
approachable. Go up and talk to him. Um, and not only is his his Twitter handle his big guy in a bow tie, he is literally a big guy, and he will have on a bow tie. So you can't miss for him. For sure for conferences, yes. <laughs> for sure for conferences. So uh, go talk to him. Um, you know, ask him about what he's getting into, and um, he's sure to share all of the good stuff he's got going on, and um, he's a great resource to have. So uh, before we sign off, David, anything uh, you want to say, any words of of motivation or a little pep talk, something. And I really, I really want to go back. I'm hoping maybe you can talk to some of our administrators out there that are that are on the bubble. They're not quite Laura, but but inside they want to be Laura. Anything, any motivational words for um, you know for the administrators out there um, to support their teachers that are trying new things and stepping outside their comfort zones and and trying to make a, a better personalized learning experience for their students? Um, I, <laughs> hashtag I just put him on the spot. Hashtag a motivational speech. I'm not. I'm not like good president or kid president where I can do that. I think it's just. I think it's just a matter of you. You know what's best for kids, and so you can feel what's best for kids. And it's it's a matter of giving people time to find that solution, giving them a little bit of space if they're really putting in the effort, giving them a little bit of space to find the solution that's best for kids. And it's really, I think. People get so sidetracked with it's we've got to deliver content, we've got to deliver content and they don't and they're like, we don't have time to do all this. But really, it's it's a matter of thinking differently about how you schedule and organize and it you can make that work. It's just it's really you've got to think differently. You've got to th- say the traditional is not what I want to be. And so you've got to kind of see education differently and you've got to really go, OK, kids critically thinking, kids creating. That's really where the kids are going to learn the most and kind of pushing towards that perspective. Fantastic. I love that. And for those of you listening, after you listen to the episode, I want you to go out onto Twitter and I want you to use the hashtag, who was your Laura? And I want you to give a shout out to a teacher or an administrator, or maybe it was a student that supported you and that kind of uh, pushed you to be better and to not just settle for good, but to be great. Um, again, hashtag who is your Laura? And let's see if we can get that trending. Um, so until I want to thank, uh, let me thank you, David, for coming out. Um, I know everybody loves you and everybody loves to hear from you and, and everybody wants to know what you've got going on out there. Um, so thanks for giving us a few moments this morning at the park bench um, here on the beautiful campus of Kennesaw State University and the Bagwell College of Education. Um, and Until our next episode, cheers. Education 3.0 is produced by the instructional coaches from iTeach at Kennesaw State University. You can reach out to them for more information, questions, or comments at their website, www.ksuiteach.org, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.